to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Sugar Coated. I'm so excited today to welcome my guest to all of you and introduce Janet Wishnia, who's the founder of American Blossom Linens. Welcome to Sugar Coated Janet. I cannot wait to dive into our conversation today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I really, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. I know it, yes. it's, it's fun already in our little uh, preamble before our, our little call here. Uh, but I'm so excited to speak to you. I, I'm, I'm always excited to speak to women who have founded companies, who are growing companies. And, you know, we all kind of enter this entrepreneurial journey at different stages of our lives and our careers. So I'd love to understand, you know, from you, how you got to be the founder of American Blossom Linens. What's, what's your story? What's your backstory? All right. So our company is a family-owned business. So the company was started by my grandfather in 1931. He immigrated from Russia. When he got here, he started to work in a textile, like a linen store. He really liked that. And eventually he got married, had kids, and he began his own linen store. Uh, It started out in the center of Philadelphia. And he had three boys, my father and my two uncles. They grew up, went to college, decided to go into the family business. And they uh, had the one linen store, and then they opened up another linen store in another area in Philadelphia. Mm. But as they got married and started to have younger children, they didn't want to work the seven days a week Mm. that retail entailed. So they were looking for other ways to change their business. So here's reinvention number one. Love it. (laughs) So they spent several years kind of brainstorming ideas. And finally, they came up with the idea of selling the same types of products. So it's bedding products, sheets, towels, blankets, things like that, to wholesale, primarily to government agencies. Hmm. So they began to... Do, uh, start doing contracts, bidding on contracts for selling those types of products to the government agencies, such as, you know, a state hospital, a prison, a nursing home. You know, there's lots of linens needed by these government institutions. They spent several years doing that, and that business ended up becoming bigger than their retail store. They ended up closing the retail store and continued to sell wholesale. Mm. Through the years, they started selling other types of customers. They started selling hospital groups, 
other types of uh, ship chandlers. That was a real big thing back then. Hmm. You know, cruises and things like that. They sold directly to the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, they started selling different kinds of products. They started selling some clothing products, uh, some furniture products, and that business kept growing and growing. When I was in college, I was a typical teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My father, I had, let me step back a second. I forgot one part. So I was the oldest child, the oldest grandchild in the family. And my father and his brothers felt it was very important that children should learn how to make a dollar. So ever (laughs) since I was a little kid, I would have to go on summer vacations, uh, holidays to work with my dad and my uncles to learn the business. (laughs) I had actually started doing that even earlier. So before I was old enough to go to the business, to go actually work. My father would, you know, he, it was still a small company. So in a small company, you know, the managers do a lot of things. So my father would do a lot of work at home. And one of the things he would do is he would envelope the invoices and the checks. Yeah. So they would write all the checks and he would bring them home and he would be sitting in front of the TV and he would be enveloping all these bills so he could put them in the mail. And so when I was a little kid, I would sit there with him and I would help him put the things in the envelope. So that was really when I started. Yeah. And then as I got older and <laughs> Don't tell to... anybody about child labor laws. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, when I got older, then I started working in, in the summers and um, every summer I would work there and, and I liked it. Hmm. But then when I got to college age, I sort of became a typical rebellious teenager. Right. Who wants this business? It's all headaches. (laughs) Exactly. I said, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go in. My father said, you should go to college. You should study business. You really have a talent for this. And I, of course, said the opposite. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to study anthropology. Nice. So I went to University of Pennsylvania and I studied anthropology And I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to become an archaeologist and I'm going to, you know, become a professor and and all of that. And so I got to my senior year and I was like, okay, I have to get a job. I have to do something now. Either I have to go on to school or I have to get a job. And at that point in time, I wasn't really interested in going back to school more. So I was like, okay, what kind of job am I going to get? (laughs) Like, hmm. And at the time I was dating my husband, we weren't married yet, but we were dating. And he said to me, you know, that senior beginning of senior year said, you know, you really have a talent for business. Uh oh, damn it. (laughs) And I heard that before. (laughs) You really should go work in the family business. And of course, when he said it, it was very different than when my father (laughs) said it. So that's what I ended up doing. I graduated college. I took like a week off and then I went to work in the business. And again, I pretty much started at the ground level still. I started in our customer service area and then I moved into working, doing contracts and then into Hmm. being managing the contracts. Eventually I became, I was the, I became the CEO I don't even remember what year it was anymore. 
Hmm. Might've been around 2005. Okay. Around 2005, I became the CEO. That was fun. I was CEO for, I guess, about 10 years, maybe 2005. Yeah, about 10 years. And my kids at that point had grown older and left. I began to have grandchildren at that point. And I was like, you know, I think I want to cut back a little bit. I want to, I want to, you know, being the CEO, we were still a fairly small company. Mm -hmm. And I decided I wanted to cut back and I gave that some thought. Then it was around, I, I took, I also took a year off. So it was around 2018, I guess, by this point, mm-hmm. I noticed that there was a lot, you know, obviously online was growing and I noticed there was a lot more interest in made in USA products. Yeah. So I said to myself, okay, maybe I'll start a new brand for our company. I still wanted to keep it, you know, stay with the company. My cousin who also worked in the company, sort of the same kind of trajectory that I had. He became the CEO. Mm. And I said, I'm going to start this new brand. You know, I'll be able to work a little less and, and we'll see what, and it's, it's in line with what we do. And at that point we had our own factory and I'll tell you that story. I decided to start this brand of made in USA bedding. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the factory. So we have been selling linens to institutions for many years. And we end, we were selling a lot of sheets. Over, over time, we began to sell more and more bed sheets. Mm-hmm. And it became cost, we figured out that it became cost effective for us to uh, manufacture our own. So we started by manufacturing sheets with a contractor. And we kept selling more and more, and that grew. And then we decided that, uh, Probably we could purchase our own factory and our own equipment and do it ourselves. So we purchased a small factory in Georgia, I mean, in Virginia. And my Mm -hmm. husband and I and our kids moved down. This was around 2000. This is probably the end of 1999, something like that. 1998. I'm terrible with remembering dates. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. and. So we moved down there and we started this factory. And over time, that factory grew and we needed a larger factory. Around 2001, one of the companies that we had been using as a contractor, their name was Thomaston Mills. They ended up going bankrupt. They were a, at one point, they were also a family owned business and they were at one point even publicly traded. But because of all, in the you know the the trade regulations had changed, and virtually all of the textile manufacturing went overseas, yeah. so that became really hard for them, and they ended up going bankrupt. And we were able to buy their larger factory and some of their equipment out of bankruptcy, and we mm. actually closed the deal on nine eleven. It was so weird. That was the day that we were supposed to close the deal. Wow. So that's the factory that we have now Mm. that we still run. That's incredible that you are manufacturing. That was a long story. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I mean, it's it's incredible that you are continuing to manufacture 
linens here in the United States. I had a question when the company first started, had the linens always been uh, manufactured here in, in the United States? Because, it, or, or was that happening when you had the retail, when you know your family had the retail store, were they importing them? You know what, back then in the 40s, the 50s, even the 60s, there was a very strong textile industry in the U.S. And I, ah. primarily everything was made here. They ah, might have bought so, certain very high-end things from overseas. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know for sure. But the majority yeah. of everything, even the things we sold when we got into the uh, institutional business selling to government, that was all primarily made in the U.S. as well at that time. It really was in the 80s when everything moved overseas. Got it. What a wonderful business pivot, though, to get out of the retail storefront and get into governments and institutions and hospitals. Because like you said, I mean, that must just be a constant need. Correct. <laughs> you know, the, the the prison population <laughs> is not declining. Per- correct. Um, it is. Yeah. And so is that is that with, with your, you know, American Blossom Linens, are, are you still only selling to institutions or are, do you have a retail component? Yeah, no, the American Blossom Linens is our retail component. That's our retail brand. Got it, but it's online. Right, only strictly online. The Got other it. brand is called Thomaston Mills. We When we bought Thomaston. the company in 9-11, we also bought their brand name because they were a bigger uh, brand name than us. And we now- understood. Um, we sell to government agencies, hospitality, and healthcare. That's the primary uh, markets for that end of the business. Wow. So how interesting that you wanted to take a step back from the business and that you decided that in order to take a step back that you'd create something new. (laughs) That seems a little counterintuitive. (laughs) So have you been able to take a step back? (laughs) No, not really. Uh, You know not really. I work hard as still a lot of hours, really hard. Uh, of course, it makes sense. You start a new business, you have to work a lot of hours. What yeah. is nice and what I've tried to do is because it is an online business, the hours are a bit flexible. So mm. if say there's a grandchild that maybe is ill and a child, you know, somebody needs help, I can leave for an hour or two in the middle of the day and, you know, help out there. I'll make up the time sure. in the evening or on the weekend, but I do have a little, I try to make a little more flexibility so I can, you know, I'm 63. I want to take time to be with the grandkids and kids. Of course. So how how did you sort of shift, I mean, the, the shift from retail to, you know, selling to government agencies and institutions, you know, moving into the consumer world, but being in a whole entire new era, right? People are not walking by your brick and mortar store on the streets of Philly. They're, you know, trying to buy sheets, towels, all of that, but there's so much competition out there. What did you have to do in order to sort of move out of the, you know, B2B contract world and into this new consumer world that is 100% digital? Yeah, that's a really good question. I grew up selling B2B. That was, you know, the retail store was already gone by the time I start was into the business. 
So I didn't really have any retail experience. So I grew up in B2B and I basically knew nothing about selling retail or digital marketing. So when I knew how to make sheets, I knew about sheets and manufacturing, but I didn't know Mm. know nothing about digital marketing. So I basically Mm. learned from the get-go. You know, I read a lot of books. I watched Mm. videos. I tried to learn whatever I could learn. Initially, we uh, hired somebody to help us build a website, but Mm -hmm. um, it turned out that this person was just not reliable. So I spoke to our IT department and my IT manager said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. I'll try to do this. I'll learn about how to do build a website (laughs) and we'll just do it in house. And he did. He he learned all about Shopify and and he built us a Shopify store. So we kind of just learned from the ground up, (laughs) experimented. And it was interesting because you know, we started the brand in the beginning of two uh, on we opened the online store in the beginning of 2019. And mm-hmm. we put the website up and I was like, oh, wow, you know, we're going to get sales immediately. And after 24 hours, there was an sale. And I called up my IT guy, one of the people, one of them. And I said, you know, Alex, I'm not getting any sales. And he like laughed at me. <laughs> He said, well, did you do any advertising? And I'm like, oh, yeah, (laughs) you have to advertise. So then I started because I had spent so much time trying to figure out how the website should look, how the product should be packaged, you know, what's what were the correct sizes we should carry? What were the colors? I hadn't really thought about that part of it. And so then I started to dig into the online advertising and we ended up you know, hiring somebody to work with us on uh, Google advertising and Facebook. And so we, 2019 became a year of learning. Mm. And so in 2020, I thought, okay, here's all, here are all the things that we learned. Now I'm going to apply them in 2020. Well, what happened in 2020, Mm. you know, (laughs) we were gearing up and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and it was pretty interesting because we, we, you know, we kind of, obviously, we we're trying to figure out what to do with our, our workforce and our employees, and you know, they were the most important thing. And, you know, we didn't want to create too much inventory, because we figured sales were just going to come to a halt. And yeah. we started to kind of gear down. And then in, I think it was April, we saw a flood of orders. Wow. And, and the reason was because, well, there were really three reasons. Number one, everybody was at home. A lot of people yep. were working from home and they wanted to have a nice bedroom environment. <laughs> so sure. they were all, everybody was redecorating their bedroom. So that mm-hmm. helped us. Uh, number two, there was a lot of publicity about supply chain because a lot yes. of the supply chains were cut off and people started thinking, well, we're going to start to buy products made in the USA. And that yep. really kind of became even more to the forefront. So that helped us a lot as well. So mm. it's been a really interesting ride. <laughs> so 
has that continued? Has that uh, momentum continued through? Yes, yeah. it did. That's amazing. We grew 400% that first year in wow. 2020. Incredible. It hasn't been as much as that since then. Yeah. And this year has been a little bit tougher. Mm, okay. I think inflation has really hit everybody, including myself, Yeah. pretty hard. So I think people are spending a little more cautiously. That's certainly a challenge now to kind of how to figure out all of that. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. I mean, of course, you 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 came out of this industry that you knew so much about, but you knew about it from an institutional perspective. And the consumer is going to want different, you know, styles and colors and arrays and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, I, you know, I heard that you are using Shopify, which I know is such an incredible tool for people. They offer a lot of support. There's a lot of amazing things, um, which can really help sell your product. Do you at this point think that, yes, of course, you know, linens, you know, the linen business, but do you think that now that you know, digital, digital marketing, digital retail, do you think that you can sell a different type of a product? Could you sell anything? Like, I'm just interested in, in your thought around that. Um, well, we're, we are selling other things. We've expanded the line. Mm-hmm. You know, now we have blankets and towels. They're all in the linen category. Sure. But uh, yeah, I, I think I could, you know, I learned how to build a website. Mm-hmm. I, I knew nothing about photography, models, photo shoots. <laughs> I've learned all, I, I've, run several photo shoots now. Wow. You know? Yeah. How to gather props, where to go to find a model, how to find a good photographer. You know, I've done all those things that I think those things apply to other products and other businesses too. Yeah. You know, certainly I've learned all about Facebook ads. Yeah. And Google searching and those things can apply to other, you know, products and email marketing. That's really important. Mm. Email marketing. The reason I ask that is because, you know, I, I'm wondering for people who maybe they they need to pivot because of COVID or they they even want to start something new. What are some of the tips that you can offer to people who may have been in different worlds, whether it's a brick and mortar store, whether it was B2B, but now they want to sort of dive into this world? Because there's a lot of potential. People are buying products online all the time, right? Yeah. So what what are some of the recommendations that you could give to people that really want to get into the, the world of e-commerce? So... All right, a couple things. Number one, what I did, I I went online and I searched out, you know, you have to learn something about advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in business, you, you have to learn something. Mm-hmm. So I actually searched out different websites and I came across this one website called the Social Sales Girls. Hmm. And it really was, and I signed up, it was like a course that you signed up for videos and tutorials and they really went through I I think it's great huh they went step by step through email marketing it was mostly email marketing and Facebook mm-hmm. so not that I think even you know when you're an, uh, an entrepreneur that you should do everything yourself because 
It's not really possible. No. And, you know, especially for advertising, I think you want to hire somebody that you want to work with people that really know what they're doing because there's a lot to this. Yeah. So I knew that I was going to go out and hire somebody, but I felt like I needed to know, I needed to have a base knowledge so that I could talk the language of the people that I was hiring. Yeah. So I found that this course really was helpful. Mm. It just went through everything step by step for someone that didn't know anything. Yeah. So I, I would recommend doing that. And and I read a lot of books as well, though for, for digital marketing, it was hard to find books that really had up-to-date information. Yeah. It was it was easier to find things online. But I would also say again that it you get to a certain point where you really can't do it all yourself. Yeah. And you have to hire people. And that's not an easy feat either. No. You know, I, I went through several uh, digital marketing, mostly Facebook and Google ads, several companies before I hit upon the one that I've been working with now for a couple of years. Mm. Because I think there are people that know what they're doing and other people that don't. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that's a really great lesson too, not just for advertising and, you know, digital ads and things like that. I, I think as an entrepreneur, there we have to kind of try on these different aspects of the business and even partnerships so that we can find the, the right fit. And I think that changes over time too, right? You might yeah. you might need a certain skill set or agency to help you in the beginning, but then they're not the ones that are going to take you to the next level. And I think you're right. It's it's so hard sometimes too because as an entrepreneur, someone who's loyal and and grateful for the people that have, you know, that has sort of helped get you there to walk away from them so that the business can continue to grow. That's a hard thing to do. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. Is it, are there, do you have any recommendations or practical advice for, you know, this show is very much aimed at women entrepreneurs and providing practical advice so that they can move through these things a a little bit easier. So, you know, we say it's hard, but is there a way that we could maybe make that a little bit easier, a little bit smoother? You mean the transition from one contractor to another one? I think, I think it's almost like the transition through your business, whether it's the transition of yourself and your mindset, whether it's the transition of one vendor to another, whether it's the transition of the business from, you know, B2B to e-commerce. Yeah. All right. So this is what I wrote. I'm going to read you what I wrote for this article because <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think it's really five important things to think about. So I think one of the most important things in any business, and this would be for a, an entrepreneur that's just starting out or one that maybe has been in business for a while, because, you know, when you're in business, change is a constant. <laughs> change is a constant. Yep. And I think that I've learned that listening is a really important thing. and. There's five, five different things that you should, or people, areas you should pay attention to when listening. First of all, you have to listen to your customers. Uh, we do a lot of 
surveys, emails. We're constantly trying to get feedback from our customers. And we've gotten a lot of good ideas from them. So I think listening to your customers is really important. Number two, you have to listen to your employees, the people that you work with. So as I was saying before, not being very experienced in retail, I didn't really know anything about packaging per se, but we had people at our plant that had worked in retail packaging before. So I spoke to them. I listened to what they said about what was the best way to package up our sheets for shipping and for retail, listening to your suppliers. So one of the things I had wanted to, we try to, we make our brand as sustainable as possible. And I had been speaking to one of my suppliers and I wanted to kind of create a product that maybe was a little bit unique, different from other products out there on the market. We didn't really want to use any harmful dyes. So he introduced me to a woman, her name is Sally Fox. She grows a heirloom cotton in New Mexico that actually grows in a color. Wow. So it grows in a brownish color. So when you make yarn out of it and weave it, you don't need to dye it. Wow. The color comes from the cotton itself. And so I listened to my, I got this information from one of my suppliers and I pursued it. Now we have a partnership, Sally and I, and we make sheets out of her cotton and I've become friends with her. It's, it's been a really interesting, um, interesting thing. That's wonderful. The next thing is listening to your gut. Mm. You have to listen to your gut. I wanted to make a, a product that was unique. I wanted to make it in a price point that people could afford. And I wanted to make it sustainable. So we found a source for uh organic cotton made in the USA. Our brand is completely made in the USA. Everything from the cotton, the whole process, everything is done in the USA. So I knew that this type of cotton was going to be more expensive than conventional cotton and Mm -hmm. that making things in the USA was going to be more expensive than making it overseas because we have labor laws and regulations and environmental regulations and it just costs more. Mm-hmm. But my gut said that people were looking for something like this. So yeah. I listened and it seems to have worked. <laughs> <laughs> we have many, many five-star reviews. And over the last few years, we've grown a lot. And I guess the last thing I would say is you have to know what not to listen to. Mm. And You know, many people will tell you, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. This isn't going to work. That's not going to work. You're never going to be able to grow a brand of USA made sheets because it's too expensive and people can get all they want overseas. And well, after a couple of years, well, that's been proven wrong. (laughs) And sort of, (laughs) I wanted to just mention one other thing. So I found out about two months ago, that I was put on the Forbes 50 over 50 list. Oh, wow. Which uh, was a total surprise. Someone nominated me. So it's 50 important people 
who are over 50. So I fit the bill because I'm 63. <laughs> but one of the other people, so they had different categories. They had like an entrepreneur's category and an entertainment category. I forget what the other ones. One of them was financial. I forget what the other ones were, but impact was one. Anyway, uh, one of the other people on the list was Dolly Parton. Oh, and I just love Dolly Parton. <laughs> I'm a big country music fan. I love Dolly Parton. So Dolly Parton has a song. It's one of, I think it's one of her older songs. It's called Big Dreams and Faded Jeans. And she has a line in that song. It says, don't know what to expect, a little scared, but what the heck? My desire is always greater than my fear. And so mm. I just think that is like a really important lesson for yeah. specifically younger entrepreneurs. You just have to say, forget the fear. I'm going to move yeah. ahead. I'm going to do the best I can. And, and it usually works out. So listen to your gut and, and, and don't listen to people that tell you no. And don't be fearful. You know, pursue your dream. Oh my God, Janet, let, <laughs> let us end on that absolutely beautiful note from Dolly Parton. That is absolutely beautiful. I love, I have to go listen now to Big Dreams and, and Faded, faded Jeans. Yes, you have and, to. And listen for that line. It is everything. It seems like that can be our mantra, at least for the day. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. And thank you so, so very much for sharing your story with me and with the whole sugar-coated audience. I cannot wait to go over to the website and purchase me some organic American-made linens. How is the website just AmericanBlossomLinens.com? Yes. As simple as that? Yes. I love it. Linens with an S on the end. Got it. Yes. We will put that in the show notes so people can go on over to the, the site and check everything out. I, I just, I can't wait to uh, wrap uh, one of those blankets around myself <laughs> knowing that the cotton came from a, a woman in New Mexico who yes. grows brown cotton. Yes. That is so, so interesting. Maybe out of the blankets, actually, at the moment. Uh -oh, so we have uh -oh. the sheets. <laughs> we have sheets made from her. So we're all good there. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And like I said, we'll put a link to the website in the show notes. Um, and just, you know, if anybody wants to connect with you uh, individually, maybe hear a little bit more of your story. Are you on LinkedIn? Or I is there am somewhere not. Else? The best thing to okay. do would be, I guess, to go to the website and uh, we have a contact you form. Okay. That's easier because my, my name is hard to spell. So I think that that would Got be it. the easiest thing for people. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I hope to be able to talk to you again soon. This was great. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Take care. The She Leads Podcast Network.